As I mentioned, as I, uh, as I stood at the zoo last Sunday, I was really standing out with kind of two purposes. One, to invite our clay members as they found their way to the pavilion in and, and welcome them. And the second was really to invite those who were passing by to, to come and join us. And uh, as I stood out there, I, it was kind of fascinating to just observe a couple things stood out. First, when I invited strangers, like the family, when I invited them in for snacks, their response was almost universally the same. I would be greeted with, really? Like, for anybody? Or, or they would, or, you know, and, and the kids, as they went by, I'd, I'd, they'd, you know, they'd be like, what's going on there? I'm like, oh, we've, we've got snacks and music, and you're welcome to come in. And the parents would be like, no. And they'd, they'd shuttle them along. And I, I suppose that the, the reality is that we're used to being in public spaces where there's like a private picnic pavilion, and, and we go on by. But it just struck me how, how hesitant people were to just accept a little kindness. A few came in, but... The reality is most kind of just shuttled their families on by. My other observation, however, was, was I, th even more intriguing to me. So we have these A-frame signs that you see on either side of the, the chancel now um, that said, be kind. And one was sitting right outside the entrance, so kind of right there. And family, they couldn't miss it as they walked by. And I would guess, like, at first I thought one out of two, but I think it was like two out of three parents. As they walked by that sign, they would point to it. They would point it out to their kids and go, see? You need to be kind. And the thought that ran through my head was, we should market these. Like, we should sell them to parents to put on the door uh, so that as kids leave for the day, the last thing they see is be kind. More to the point, though, I thought about what the parents were saying to their kids, not intentionally, but, right, uh, they were equating kindness to the way I think we often think about it, behaving and being polite. And it's, I think that's somehow, sometimes how we think about kindness, that kindness, the life of kindness is when you behave, you don't get in any trouble, and you're polite. And while both of those are a part of it, I, I wonder if we're not missing something when we think about kindness, if we limit it to that definition or the way, the way we interpret it sometimes. That's kind of why this month we're looking at what does the Bible say about being kind, and today we're going to dive into Ephesians and, and search some more about what it means to be kind as followers of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious and good God, as we gather here today, we just, uh, as we just pray that you would open our ears to hear what the, the message that you have for each one of us, Lord. And then open our, our eyes, open our minds to see and, and know what you would have us know, to, to see more clearly what you see in our world. And Lord, open our hearts and our souls so you can flood flood them again with your love and that we might know your call to let that love overflow into your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Ephesians 4 verse 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Like, I I actually wonder if it seems so simple that some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, wait, why do we need five weeks on this one topic at Clay Church? Like, it's simple. Can't we just cover it in in a week or so? Can there really be five weeks of things to say about being kind? Isn't it kind of simple and straightforward? But we might respond to that question with some other questions like this, why if being kind is so simple, a simple thing we supposedly teach our kids, and if we as followers of Jesus are called to be kind, and 64% in 2020 identified themselves as Christians in this country, then why do we feel so much tension and division and injustice, so much unkindness in our world? Why do social media and news stations and talk TV and radio and conversations in general seem to carry so much unkindness and hurtfulness? Is being kind really so simple? Maybe there's more to it. And we might then make that that question, these questions personal. How am I, how are you being kind in every aspect of your life, in all aspects of our lives. What does it mean to be kind as a follower of Jesus? We're looking and searching Scripture for an answer to that this month, and one of the places we can look is in this this letter. It builds In the the letter to Ephesus, it builds to chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, where it says those words, be kind. But to understand what what the letter is saying, it's probably important to understand kind of the full scope, more the context of this letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians. So we're going to back up for a moment to get that context. We we back up to the very beginning. In Exodus chapter 1, we come to know the purpose of the letter. This is a great story tool for studying your Bible at home. If you're reading one of the letters in the New Testament, any of the letters of Paul or any of the other letters, almost always within the first, certainly within the first chapter, usually within about the first 15 verses, you'll find within there why why the author of that letter is writing, the the purpose of that letter. As uh, as we look at Ephesians chapter 1, the author of this letter first talks about how you, those who are hearing this, have come to know the plans and designs of God. And then the letter says this, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 10. This is what God planned for the climax of all times, to bring all things together in Christ, the things in heaven along with the things on earth. We have also received an inheritance in Christ. We were destined by the plan of God who accomplishes everything according to his design. We are called to be an honor to God's glory because we were the first to hope in Christ. 
we were called to bring honor to God. This is at the, the heart of the purpose of this letter. It's to help this, this young church, these young followers of Jesus who've come to know this love, understand that, that they're now part of this bigger story. And as part of their, this bigger story, one of their central roles is to bring honor to God by the way that they live. And not just to bring honor to God, but to draw the world together in this love that, it, that they know in Christ. To bring the world together. That's the heart of this letter. The letter unpacks this call to, to unity in Christ. It unpacks what it means to know a love that bridges the diversity in the church. It unpacks what, a, what, what it means to live a holy life, a life in right relationship with God. And it, it does that for about three chapters. So this theological understanding of what it means to be in relationship with God. And then my guess is that people then weren't so different than now, and they were going, okay, all right, I, I get all that theological thinking. I mean, I, 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 I sort of follow you, but what, do I, what am I supposed to do? Anybody ever you know, have somebody like talk over your head for a while, and then when they're done, you're like, wait, so what do you want me to do? Like, just tell me what you want me to do. It'd be easier that way. In Ephesians, it turns in chapter 4 to this sort of practical unpacking. Okay, so this is what that life looks like. This is what a life of kindness looks like. We're going to pick that up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. You're welcome to, to follow along as we, we're just going to read through these passages. It says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." The Gentiles, before we judge them, we should understand the Gentiles in this case are those who've heard about the word of Jesus but have rejected it because they, they like the lives they have. And so they want to keep, keep living in the self-indulgent lifestyle that, that feeds their happiness, their goodness, their prosperity. That's who the letter is talking about. Right? They want to continue in lives that are, that are driven by greed, driven by whatever brings them pleasure. But the letter to the church in Ephesus, it invites the followers to a different kind of lifestyle. Kindness is a lifestyle. Kindness is a, is a way of, of living Kindness is a lifestyle that differs from the lifestyle that we see around us in the world. The letter goes on. Picking up in verse 20, it says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, 
to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Kindness is a choice. You get to choose. We get to choose every day, in every moment, what kind of life we are going to lead. The, the letter to the Ephesians uses a metaphor. It's actually also in the letter to the Colossians that literally when it says put on and, and take off, it, it literally is talking uh, as what you would do with clothing. Right? It's the analogy that when you go to the closet in the morning, you, you decide what you're going to put on. And, and I'm going to guess some of you, like me, sometimes you think about what you're going to put on because it, it's going to affect your, your day. You want to you clothe yourselves with the, with the right look, the right colors, whatever it may be for you for, for the day. For those of you who just go in and grab whatever's next in line, it's a little harder for you to take this analogy. I get that. But, right? So, so we clothe ourselves. We, we get to put on something for our day. This letter takes that analogy and it says, in the morning, you get to decide how you're going to live out this day. Are you going to live it in a way that is all about you? That is about making yourself happy? That is about your pleasure? That's driven by your greed? Because that's the old self. That's who you were before you knew this love of Jesus that calls you to another way of life. Or, or are you going to clothe yourself in the love of Christ and live in a way that is constantly looking out for the needs of others. Kindness is a choice that we make every day and in every moment just as we decide what to wear. Ephesians goes on, picking it up in 25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need." This life of kindness for the follower of Jesus, it requires intention. This is more than just being polite or, or not misbehaving. This is intending to be kind. This is making decisions in each moment to choose kindness. I've used this example before, I know, because it, it's a place where I, I know that I'm challenged to be kind when I call customer service, right, and I'm, a, I'm on hold for an hour, somebody finally picks up, right, and then I, I tell them what I need or what's going on, and then they tell me they can't help me. Anyone ever had this experience? And what do you do next, right? I get angry. I don't know about you. Anger is an emotion that we feel. Anger is part of our human existence. Anger is not bad. Anger is not wrong. Anger is the, the emotion that we have. 
The question is what we do in reaction to that anger. Do we channel that energy into good or do we sin? And here's where intention becomes important. If I react with no intentionality in that moment, I yell at whoever is on the other line of the phone that this seemed a really simple problem that they should be able to fix, and now I'm angry. And usually that doesn't get me anywhere. Right? But if intentionally I pause and think in that moment, I begin to ask questions. Who is this that I'm talking to? What might be going on in their life today? How many other angry people have they talked to? Are they reading a script? Are they bound? Is their, is their job dependent on them reading this script? Are they even equipped to fix my problem? Does their family depend on the income that, that they're making reading that script to me? Let me pause for just a moment. Kindness doesn't mean I have to let somebody take advantage of me. Right? But kindness does mean that I speak truth with compassion and empathy. For me, that's usually immediately asking for somebody who can deal with this issue. Kindness means I always honor Christ in my neighbor, that I pause and think that the person on the other end of the line or the person that I'm having this conversation or even this argument with is also a child of God, and I am called to see Christ in him or her. And kindness means that my intention, my life is oriented in a way that leaves the other feeling loved. And with intention, I now approach conversations and relationships grounded in that, in that love of Jesus. Kindness requires intention. Ephesians goes on to say this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. What's driving your life and actions? In any given moment, what's, what's driving your life and what you do and, and what you say? If we're honest, sometimes the answer is faith. Sometimes it's, it's the love of Jesus that drives us. But if we're, if we're honest... Sometimes it's our bitterness. Sometimes it's our frustration. 
Sometimes we're driven by the hurts that have hurt us. Sometimes we're, we're driven by our anger. In this way, it's interesting that, that this scripture holds together kindness with forgiveness. Kindness is a practice. As human beings, we don't always get it right, but if we will practice it, we'll find that it grows. It's a gift of the Spirit that grows when we, when we nurture it. Our kindness grows as we practice moment by moment. Our kindness grows when we realize it's the moment when we weren't kind and we seek to, to learn from those moments. Kindness grows every time we correct our sinful behavior, those actions and, and reactions that grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the way we read the Bible today can be a little bit misleading for us. Um, some of you may know this, but the, the Bible, when it was first written, it didn't have chapters and verses. Did you know that? There were no chapters and verses. And so those chapters and verses have been added by editors over time. And here's where this can be a little problematic for us because often we're trained to read until a chapter ends and then that's a good stopping place. And then we pick it back up as though a thought doesn't necessarily pass directly from chapter to chapter. The lines don't fit, uh, the lines don't fit together. Ephesians has one of those instances where it's actually really helpful to keep reading and not stop at the end of the chapter. Here's a, an example. Watch what happens when we put the last verse of chapter 4 along with the first two verses of chapter 5. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The therefore means these verses were meant to be read together. The Greek word that we translate right here is, as be kind, it actually can also be translated as benevolent or useful to others. Actually, if you get kind of to the root and how it's used in the time in, in ancient Greek, it means useful to others, which I find kind of a fascinating way to think about this. The letter is saying, you know what? Be useful to others as Christ and his death and resurrection is useful to you. In other words, be willing to sacrifice your, yourself for the good of others as Christ was willing to sacrifice himself for your life and love eternal. To be kind, thus, is to reflect the kindness of God in Christ. It's the heart of, of the kindness that we're invited to offer the world. It's to reflect God's kindness in Christ. This means kindness is forgiving as we are forgiven. It means loving unconditionally as we are loved. Which leads us all the way back to the questions we asked at the beginning. What, what does it mean to be kind? What does it look like in our lives to be kind? What does it look like in your life to be kind?
And how do we need to grow in our kindness to better reflect the God who loves us? How many of you know the, the book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? Any of you know the book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? I, I noticed in the first service, lots of teacher hands went up when we asked about that book. Um, some of you may know it from your kids. It's, it's been used in a lot of uh, school communities to talk about how to build community and, and care for one another. The book essentially talks about, essentially shares this analogy, this idea that all of us have a bucket that we carry around. And... Uh, um, and we have an opportunity with the people that we encounter during the day. We can either fill their buckets or we can withdraw from their buckets, take things out of their bucket. We fill their buckets by complimenting them and caring for them and filling their bucket with kindness. We withdraw from their bucket when we're mean or we say something that is hurtful or we take from them. For, our, for ourselves. And the gift is that when we are pouring into someone else's bucket, we naturally end up filling our bucket as well. As we think about what it means to be kind as followers of Jesus, I wonder if we should pull this analogy um, and realize it's not just for kids. Right? We are all carrying around buckets. And when we see the world as a zero-sum game and, and we've got to get ahead, we, we naturally end up trying to take out of other buckets to make ourselves, prop ourselves up or make ourselves look better. But Christ's approach to the world was just to keep pouring into other buckets and realizing when we do that, all the buckets begin to overflow. Every day, in every action, we can ask ourselves this question. Every conversation, everything we do, am I doing something or saying something right now that is filling up someone else's bucket? Or am I emptying someone else's bucket? With that image in mind, on, on Friday, we had a celebration of life for Annegret Marshall, passed away at the age of 94. She's a longtime member of of Clay Church, longtime member of our choir. Uh, some people here knew her, but I, I don't know that a lot of people knew this story. Annegret grew up in Germany. She was uh, the daughter of a uh, Jewish man and a, and a Christian woman. Um, so she wasn't Jewish by heritage. That passes through the mother, but, but her dad was Jewish, and she was a early teens at the time of the Nazi uh, rise to power and the occupation. Her dad was able to flee to Italy. She, with uh, one of her sisters and then a group of students from the school that they were at, their teachers actually took them to safety because they believed that the families were still in danger. Um, and they, they walked from Germany to uh, what at the time was Czechoslovakia. If you have sound of music in your head, that's kind of what their journey was like. Anna Gret would, would later share the story, and she said, you know, with, with all the tension, with all the, the danger at the time, and they, they literally walked out of, of Dresden as, as Christmas, the Christmas tree bombs went off. Like, they, they saw the worst of it. She said in the midst of that, what she remembers in that time were these teachers that just poured in to these young students. She, she says, 
you know, I, I knew that all of the other, all of the, all the tension in the world, I knew about all of that, but I have these wonderful memories of that time because of the, the teachers that were pouring into us. It was interesting these, this past week as we prepared for integrate service that, uh, that everybody I talked to remembered Annegrette, the first word out of their mouths was, she was so kind. Her grandchildren, as they recounted their memories, the first thing they said was, Grandma taught us how to be kind. Right, all that kindness that had been poured into her life, a life that wasn't easy then and wouldn't be easy, manifested itself in, in kindness in her and is now passing along to those she knew who experienced that kindness. Buckets filled meant a life filled with love and the ability, even in the midst of the difficulties of life, to fill the buckets of others. What would it look like if those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus just went out and filled as many buckets as we could? Filled them with forgiveness and grace and goodness and realizing that, that the more lives with buckets filled, the more lives transformed and the more buckets that will be filled. That's why... That's why we started the Be Kind campaign as Clay Church. That's why this month we're encouraging everybody to go out and be kind and just to share this message in and through our community. It's like, let's go out and intentionally fill some buckets this month. Let's invite others to do the same thing. Let's live knowing, knowing that our kindness to others as followers of Jesus is a reflection of the kindness that God shows us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. May our kindness fill buckets all around us, and may that kindness transform our families, our community, and ultimately, as Ephesus calls us to, bringing unity in the love of Christ for our world. Amen. Thank you.